Beginning with this year's elections, voting gets a whole lot easier. Your mailbox is your ballot box. Your ballot packet comes to you in the mail. But only if you're a registered voter. If you need to register or update your address, do it today at elections.hawaii.gov. Look for your free Hawaii elections guide in the newspaper or at these locations statewide. The deadline to register for the general election is October 5th, so don't delay. Hawaii, Hawaii votes by mail. Aloha, happy Wednesday. Thank you so much for being here on Spotlight Hawaii. This is a program brought to you, of course, by the Office of Elections and the Honolulu Star Advertiser. As we're reminded every uh, time we come on, this, uh, th this election is so important and you can register to vote by October 5th. Make sure you do that. Your ballot will come right to your home and you can send it out and make sure your voice is heard at elections.hawaii.gov. If you have not done so already, make sure you register. And good morning. I'm Yanji Denise. <laughs> and I'm Ryan Kalesi. Of course, uh, great intro, Yanji. Uh, very important, of course, that we get people to register to vote, obviously, in the general election that is coming up. And really, this show, Spotlight Hawaii, is an effort to really bring to light some of the issues and newsmakers that uh, uh, really making headlines throughout the state. Of course, the talk around town and throughout our news here locally and globally continues to be around COVID-19. Today, we have a special guest that will be joining us once again to talk more about how the University of Hawaii system is gearing up for the start of its fall semester. Joining us this morning is UH President David Lassner. David, thank you so much for joining us here this morning. Uh, first off, we want to start off talking about Monday, uh, schools reopening and, and what is sort right. of the outlook right now, knowing that, you know, Oahu, we're seeing uh, these rises in cases. Uh, what are some of the efforts and some of the things that are happening now as uh, the UH prepares to reopen? Um, well, we had done an incredible amount of work over the summer, our uh, faculty, our staff, uh, leadership across the 10 campuses. So uh, in any classroom that we were contemplating using, we put physical distancing measures into place. Uh, we've done signage. Um, we've prepared masks and face shields for our faculty. Uh, we have sanitation uh, supplies and protocols. Uh, but, but that really uh, changed as the numbers started escalating. So uh, last week we announced um, a further pivot from heavily modified mix of in-person and online to essentially everything that can be taught online will be taught online. So the only uh, classes that we expect to see on our campuses are those that involve activities that uh, we couldn't figure out how to move online. So that would be like science labs, um, students in the healthcare professions who have to have clinical experiences, um, art studios in the arts. Um, so those sorts of things um, will be conducted in a physically distanced and safe manner in accordance with uh, CDC guidelines, state guidelines, uh, county orders. So we basically track through all of those to make sure we're following all of the guidance we can get to, to be as safe as possible. Let's talk enrollment. Uh, as you, as Ryan mentioned, school does start on Monday. How many students are you anticipating? I know there was a big push over the summer also to get new students to join um, people perhaps who had uh, separated from employment or who had been thinking about going back to school. Maybe now is a good time. Uh, what are you anticipating in terms of the student body? Um, well, we look every day and it's, um, I'll just say, I think um, for all of us and we see this echoed in uh, statements from enrollment management professionals around the country. This is the most unpredictable semester ever. Uh, families are making decisions very late. They're changing their minds. Um, 
right now, UH Manoa is up a little bit compared to last fall. UH West Oahu is up a little bit compared to last fall. But, but daily, we look at these things and students continue to add and drop even into the um, first week or two of classes. So, um, you know, we tease each other about who's being an optimist and who's being a pessimist based on the numbers every day. Um, I, I think um, what's a nice way to say this is it's not as bad as our worst fears. Well, that's a, definitely yeah. a good thing. Uh, yeah. We know that the numbers here on Oahu uh, have, have been pretty high over the last month or so, but the neighbor islands have remained uh, somewhat consistent and low. Uh, is this affecting all campuses? Uh, you know, because we know that there are community colleges as well as UH Hilo on the big island. Uh, how is this impacting them? And, and is the Oahu schools different and campuses different from what the uh, what's happening on the neighbor islands? Well, in, in general, um, the reason that there are lower caseloads on some of those islands is the populations are smaller. Um, but we're not seeing students migrating, for example, from Oahu to neighbor islands uh, just because the numbers are lower. Um, so that, that's not going on. Um, what about the in-person classes? Is, is that different on the neighbor islands or is that the protocol across the where board? We, you know, we, we talk regularly and it's pretty much the protocol across the, the system. Um, we just believe the more we can lower risks, the better. Uh, while, you know, the state's at heightened risk. And I will say, um, you know, I've been in a couple of the, the meetings with the, the infamous mayor and mayors and governor, and um, they're pretty careful. And um, college students are perceived to represent a risk. Uh, we haven't seen significant risks here with our UH students, but, um, you know, it's, it's a fear for sure. You know, one of the questions, of course, that always comes up when we talk to you is about athletics, and we already have one that really? has come in. <laughs> Eva asked, what about athletics? Do you have a plan uh, on having any yeah. at all? Of course, we know that a lot is being determined and continues to change daily with number of conferences making decisions. What is the status right now for athletics overall with UH Manoa? Uh, so we play in two different conferences. Uh, we play football in the Mountain West and everything else in the Big West. Uh, both conferences in their own uh, timeframes and ways determined that there would be no fall sports during the fall. So it wasn't a decision to cancel. It was a decision to postpone. So that affects, you know, obviously football in the Mountain West uh, will not be played this fall. Uh, it's very interesting to watch the drama around the country because even the so-called Power Five conferences are split with two of them having uh, postponed all fall sports, uh, the Big Ten and the Pac-12, and the other three so far are planning to play football starting in September. So it changes the tone of almost everything in terms of championships, TV, um, you name it. It's, it's going to be really interesting. And some of those schools are, you know, the schools where we've seen pretty large outbreaks that even after we decided to pivot as fully online as possible, um, some of them are just deciding that this week based on their COVID-19 numbers on their campuses. So we've been really fortunate not to be faced with that. So at this point, the NCAA has determined that uh, so sports that we care about uh, a lot, like uh, women's volleyball, there will not be championships for fall sports this year. So um, as we collectively assess the situation, uh, with COVID-19 um, around the country and in our specific areas. Um, if, if some of those uh, sports can be moved to spring, 
there's a possibility the NCAA would conduct championships in those sports in the spring. Is that something that the athletic department can handle in terms of when you think about it, all those other spring sports that are got pushed back? I mean, we have athletes that have decided yeah. to stick around for essentially a year right. to play one more year. Uh, so That's they've right. committed. Yeah. And then you could put, be potentially moving all of these athletes into, I mean, just facility wise, personnel. Yes. Is that something that the department can handle? So we're, you know, we're starting to look at that. So that's a, that would be a good problem to have, I would say. Um, if the sports can be played safely, the next question actually is, would we be doing that with or without fans? So there are uh, sports that are being played in places with absolutely no fans, right? NBA basketball, for example. So if we don't uh, need to accommodate fans or we can't accommodate fans, then we have a range of options. We have the beautiful new gym one and gym two which are excellent for playing. There's just no accommodation for, for fans in places like that. So we could look around, we'd have more options. Can you talk a little bit about dorm life and student housing? I know that the classes have migrated online, but we obviously uh, host a number of students who are not from Hawaii. What, is the, what are those living situations going to look like and how actively has the university been involved, especially with students who may live off campus, but live together? Yeah, so um, certainly for um, our student housing, uh, we have student housing at both UH Hilo and UH Manoa. Um, in both cases, we rearranged our uh, configurations for physical distancing. So in general, we dropped in the range of about 40% of the beds before we even started. Uh, our uh, student housing facilities are not full. So a lot more students are making the choice to either stay home um, or are finding other accommodations, mostly staying home, we believe, uh, just to either save money or they feel safer, I think, as well. And particularly if all of your classes are online, there's not really a requirement to be on campus. We provide all of our support services, our library services, advising, all of those services are now in, available online. And, and that's part of the pivot that we made last spring that we're continuing to offer those services to students who don't physically come to campus. You know, yesterday the mayor announced uh, sort of yet another order uh, with more restrictions to the groups of five. Ingrid is asking how the new Oahu rule with no social gatherings over five applied uh, on campuses. Is that something that will have to be implemented and changed in terms of uh, the amount of students that are allowed in the classroom or, or how is that this new ruling impacting UH directly? We're in discussions, but our, um, uh, our interpretation is that no social gatherings means no social gatherings and uh, a class is not a social gathering. Uh, we have implemented the physical distancing measures. Uh, we will have everyone fully masked up. So it's not like, um, you know, and, and I've spent a lot of time trying to understand where the risks are. Um, a lot of the risk with the social gathering is that it tends to involve food and drink, which is uh, both are incompatible with masks and drink can sometimes be incompatible with common sense. So uh, we're not serving food, drink in our classes, and we think people can stay fully masked up and can stay fully six feet apart at all times. Um, so again, following those guidelines, we think we're um, keeping people pretty safe. Can you talk a little bit about the cases that the university has seen? I know there have been a handful of cases since April. Can you shed any light on that? Yeah, so we have had, um, and, and we try to be fully transparent and we communicate this um, because we think um, facts really help people um, understand the risks. 
Uh, we've had eight cases. This is across 10 campuses since April. We have not had any evidence of any community spread on any campus. Uh, in general, each situation has been uh, a one-off. Um, you know, I'm not gonna disclose any personal, personal details, but they've been around the system uh, on different islands. Um, and uh, I, I think all of us have to understand um, COVID-19 is in our community. Uh, and the university and our campuses are no different. Um, when you go into a store, somebody there is infected with coronavirus. When you know you do pretty much anything, when you interact with family members, there's always a chance one of your family members is infected. And I think that's why the um, you know the advice to follow the physical distancing measures, to always wear a mask, to treat yourself like you're infected and everyone around you as if they are infected. Um, that's how we're going to suppress this thing and get through it. You know, for those students that are coming in uh, to actually flying into Hawaii and to be a part of uh, and, and go to class on Monday, uh, what are sort of the protocols that are sort of set up in their uh, arrival here to Hawaii and helping to facilitate this? Because they're essentially going to have to go through quarantine. And so if, if these uh, right. students are deciding to come to campus for school and, and do some distant learning in their dorm room, what does that look like? So we worked closely with the Department of Health, um, HIEMA, the mayors, and the governor, and we have a uh, what we call a modified quarantine uh, process in place for students. And this is true of all um, the major universities in Hawaii, ourselves, HPU, and Shamanad uh, work together on this. Basically, we meet students. Well, first, we ask them to get a pre-travel uh, pre test if they can. And that's the best thing if they arrive with a, um, a negative test in hand. But even so, we meet them at the airport and we put them in what we call this modified bubble quarantine. And during those first days, uh, for 14 days, the only thing they can do is go to class and participate in uh, official university activities. So we keep them separated for that 14 days, even if they have a negative test. And then uh, if they arrive without a test, uh, we uh, keep them in a full uh, quarantine mode and we get them tested here. If they test negative after arrival, uh, then we move them into this modified bubble quarantine so that they can attend official university functions. Can you talk a little bit, you know, UH, like everyone else, is going to be facing some pretty large budget hurdles. What what are you uh, anticipating for that? And are there places that you think that the university is going to have to make some significant cuts? Yeah, I mean, the state uh, financial uh, picture is dismal. Um, we primarily uh, um, finance our operations, that is, you know, our classes and our routine activities with a mix of uh, state general funds and tuition revenue from our students. Uh, general funds are really being impacted by that $2.3 trillion uh, budget shortfall, this biennium that I, I'm sure you've had people on talking about. Um, the state, you know, we understand will need to cut general funds to everybody. That includes um, the DOE, UH, health, you know, all of the state agencies. A large portion of the state budget is fixed costs like debt service, Medicare, Medicaid that really can't be um, squozen. So that leaves uh, us, you know, uh, more vulnerable along with the other state agencies. Uh, tuition is not growing. 
you know, we're trying to hold steady on enrollment. Um, normally during a recession, uh, enrollment in higher education increases. It hasn't happened yet for this year in the, the Great Recession. So uh, 10, 10 or so years ago, we saw a significant increase, particularly at our community colleges, as uh, students look to higher education to retrain themselves, re-educate themselves, maybe make a change in what they're doing. So um, we uh, are starting to talk about exactly how we will handle this. Um, it's gonna be a multi-year uh, effort to identify programs uh, because at the same time, we need to be looking at what we can reduce. We also have to look at things we need to invest in to really help the state. And what I'd say our guiding principle will really be, what does the state of Hawaii need from us? So what does the state need to help get through this recession and pandemic, uh, which we know will be a multi-year recession. I mean, there's no sugar coating it. Uh, even if we turned on tourism on September 1st, it would take a long time to grow back um, to the economic impact it had. And frankly, I don't think most of us want to see the same tourism industry that we had. I think, you know, there's a lot of talk about smart tourism, sustainable tourism. So I think our responsibility at the university is going to be a few things. Um, one is we have to continue to educate more of Hawaii citizenry. We just need to up our game as a state uh, and have more people with college credentials and degrees. You know, the data is very clear that they earn more money, they live longer, they're healthier, they pay more taxes, they're incarcerated less, they draw on less social services. I mean, it's really a win for uh, college graduates at any level, even certificates and their families and the community to continue to make these investments and help equip everyone to be lifelong learners. And we don't have enough of our high school, our public high school graduates, not enough of them go on for higher education. And we've got to change that around. Um, a second thing we need to do is we need to educate more of Hawaii's residents for the jobs in Hawaii. So we try to stay in touch with groups like the Chamber of Commerce, the Business Roundtable, uh, major employer groups to understand where are there opportunities for employment, hopefully with living wage jobs. And then how can the University of Hawaii at whatever level the job takes, whether it's an associate degree, a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, um, or a certificate, how can we get more of our residents able to fill those jobs and uh, get back to work or to upskill for a better job perhaps in their own profession? A third thing, and, and there's only four, don't worry, um, <laughs> is um, to help uh, kickstart the economy. So I think in my conversations with leaders uh, in the community, uh, there's a lot of enthusiasm for identifying now more than ever other economic sectors that can really help pick up some of the slack from tourism. I think most people see tourism as part of our economic future, but a different kind of tourism. And I think part of our job at the university, you know, we've just merged uh, our travel industry management school with our very successful Scheidler College of Business. And we think um, that can really be give us some impetus to restore the greatness of the Tim School, but this time with a focus on sustainable tourism. So um, how do we manage community and mitigate community impact? Can we do more medical tourism, healthcare tourism, cultural tourism, ecotourism, agritourism, volunteerism, you name it. Um, 
there's a really good opportunity and, and of course cultural tourism both featuring um, our, our host culture, uh, the indigenous Hawaiian culture, but also um, you know, our amazing immigrant cultures here in Hawaii. There's a lot of opportunity to do more. And not only could that be a little bit less impactful on the community, but it could also create more high quality jobs because instead of just having uh, bus drivers and housekeepers, we could have a lot more people meaningfully engaging um, with our visitors. And, and I'll just say, um, you know, clearly computer science and engineering uh, presents an opportunity, creative media presents an opportunity. We have developed an outstanding program just over the past couple of years in data science, cybersecurity, uh, data visualization, some of those areas where um, there are opportunities for jobs in every sector from banking and healthcare um, and so forth. Um, green jobs so our we have amazing expertise in this state around energy we are as good as anyone at sea level rise we understand conservation of native environments as well as anyone so these are all opportunities for more green jobs and also uh, the ability to share our expertise elsewhere one thing about our thriving economy is it's going to have to be a mix of things we do for ourselves and things that we export to bring money in from other places and and let me just highlight you know that's an area where agriculture and aquaculture need to be part of the equation uh, we all talk about increasing food sustainability and that's important but it's really hard to make money growing food for consumption you know there's a reason that lettuce and tomatoes are cheaper from other places and it's because of the economies of scale but if we combine that which we need to do with high value food, uh, food crops, you know, think, um, you know, Kona coffee is a continuing success because it's a very special coffee. It tastes different. Macadamia nuts are more pressured because our macadamia nuts are a lot like everyone else's macadamia nuts. And we don't have the cost advantages of a Thailand or Malaysia, but we can think about things like, um, cacao and into value added chocolate products. Uh, vanillin is very expensive, difficult to grow, fits our climate, tropical fruit. So there's a lot of things we can do in that sector and try and get more of our protein out of aquaculture, both for locally, and we're a net exporter of, of breeding stock. Um, so those are some of the things that we're looking at to try and help the economy uh, in partnership with the community. Yeah, definitely a lot of different aspects there and, and, and things too. Look forward to hope potentially uh, to help really diversify the economy. Um, we are having some questions about uh, just overall services that are available and what maybe students are paying for. Um, ben is asking, you know, with online students paying student center fees, library fees, sports center fees, are, are these sorts of things available still for students because they're having to have, you know, see these costs still in their uh, tuition? What sort of those kind of services are available, uh, like libraries and sports and access to these types of facilities if the campuses? maybe don't necessarily uh, have that availability to be open. Yeah, thank you, great question. So we've gone back through our fees to try to understand exactly and specifically which services are available. And in general, for a service that is not available, um, we, are, uh, we will be refunding. So we're collecting, uh, but we will be refunding. That just turns out to be easier. So as an example, the athletic fee is a complicated one because students aren't getting value from being able to attend sporting events for free, but there are some other things that the athletic fees go to that may be in place during this fall. 
Um, one, one of the fees that we can't refund uh, is going for a facility that has debt service. So even if the facility is not open, we still have to pay off the bonds that were floated to build that student service facility. So it's really a case by case. Um, the best thing to do is check with the campus because each campus has slightly different fees. You know, UH Manoa is different than West Oahu, is different than Hilo, is different than the community colleges. So as we noted at the top, school is starting Monday. You know, in the few minutes that we have left, how are you feeling about this semester? What is your sort of take? I, you know, we've gone through so much. It seems like every day we have another news conference with the governor it's, and we're hearing yeah. about something else. Yeah. Um, but how are you feeling about school starting on Monday? And, and uh, what are you hoping for for the spring? I mean, our, our focus has really been um, we want all of our students to maintain their progress toward their degrees. That's the best thing we can be doing. We do not want people to have to go an extra semester or an extra year. So um, most of our work is focused on that. We also want our researchers to be able to continue. You know, UH research itself is a $450 million industry in this state. That's money we bring in from other places and create thousands of jobs and a positive economic impact on every island. So um, that's where we're focused in doing those two things in a really safe as possible manner. Um, I have been inspired, I have to say, by the spirit of collaboration of our faculty, our staff, our students to help one another through this. I mean, you're absolutely right, Benji. This every single day almost throws us a curve that we were not expecting. And uh, maintaining resilience, collaboration, and you know, I, I mean this truly, a spirit of aloha among ourselves and within our community has been uh, remarkable as we have been challenged to find new ways to do things. I think many of the lessons of um, what we've had to do to pivot online will make us much stronger even after uh, this crisis is gone. You know, the, the online modalities for advising for some of our teaching and learning, not all, but some of it, um, you know, I hardly have to sign anything. I sign retirement certificates and letters to donors and everything else is being processed online. And that's a remarkable thing for, for you know, a pretty paper bound institution. Um, so lots of good lessons. I hope, I hope there's a vaccine available by spring. Uh, I'm cautiously optimistic. You know, before we head out, I, we, I just also want to get an update uh, on the partnership that the, you know, that the University of Hawaii has made with the city. Uh, we saw that announcement a few months ago in terms of setting up a testing location, uh, a testing facility, if you can sort of update us on how the medical school uh, is sort right. of involved in this effort uh, through testing. Right, so um, we've established um, a, um, a testing lab at the Johnny Burns School of Medicine. We actually were in the process of establishing, I should say. So that was a partnership with the mayor is focused on uh, increasing testing for underserved populations in um, homeless rural communities that really don't have great access to healthcare, but we're also looking at it as a research lab that will be able to explore new testing methodologies. For example, um, we know that saliva tests are far less intrusive and it saves on the PPE, you know, for the people doing those nasal swabs that are pretty unpleasant. So we're looking at uh, being able to conduct testing into some of those areas. Uh, last I checked with the folks putting the lab together, we we're hoping to be operational uh, right after Labor Day. And I'll be um, checking again to, to see if we're on track. 
but it's it's part of the work that the University of Hawaii does for the community. You know, we were sewing masks, fabricating shields, delivering volunteer meals. You can't uh, watch a week of news without seeing the expertise that UHERO is providing on a daily basis to everyone in the state. We put up the contact tracing training um, so that there would be at least a pool of qualified contact tracers available for the state when they're ready to hire. Um, we've been doing telehealth support for DOE schools out of our school of nursing. We have people working on vaccine development and we had an amazing program for the high school class of 2020. You know, those were a class of students who could easily have been lost. And we assembled enough philanthropy to really provide a, a, a program that touched uh, about 2000 of them with um, counseling, free courses, uh, text messages to keep them on track. And it looks like uh, well over um, 50 or 60% of them are gonna be heading to college this fall, which you know that's the stuff that we do to try and keep uh, Hawaii moving forward and successful. Well, UH President David Lassner, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Good luck with school on Monday. Thank you and the university for everything that you're doing to lift up our community. We really appreciate it. And um, like you, we are hoping for that that vaccine by spring. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thanks very much. Right, Great to see care. you both. Thank, Thank you. you. Be well. You too. Thank you. Well, wow, Ryan, school starts Monday and um, good to hear that their enrollment numbers are strong, uh, not necessarily, you know, in the same way that, as he mentioned, that you'd seen in other recessions. But of course, that's because things are changing all the time. But he said, uh, Manoa and UH West Oahu slightly up from last year. So that that is good to hear. And um, amazing to just think about all the logistic logistical challenges of getting those students physically here, putting them in bubbles, those who are living in dorm housing. Uh, a bummer about athletics, but really something that can't be helped. Yeah, I mean, there's going to have to be so many changes that are happening uh, in the campus. And, you know, he was saying one of the things that they did during this time is sort of preparing for different scenarios. And so being flexible and able to move and transition, tr transition back into more of the online base has been something that uh, they have been preparing for. And while some of those classes that require, um, you know, physical you know, presence with labs and things of that nature, those will continue on. Majority of that will be happening online. Uh, and yeah, with athletics, it's going to be interesting to say, it, you know, he's saying essentially if given the green light uh, back, you know, in next spring, we could essentially be seeing all UH teams playing on campus at the same time. Uh, it's going to be very difficult to cover for those uh, who want, who are big UH fans and want to see these games. But uh, it's crazy to think that you could see football, both basketball, both volleyball, soccer, all going on at the same time. <laughs> but he's saying it's a good problem to have if they can get to that point. Yeah, and I definitely think there will be an appetite for it and the community will be very eager to support all of those student athletes. It must be so challenging for them to have to navigate through all of this and sit on the bench, so to speak, uh, for the next few months. But, you know, we are wishing all of the students very well coming up on Monday. We will continue to track this um, and see how it's going. And good to hear about the progress being made uh, for the testing lab at the, at the medical school. Labor Day is just around the corner and it'll be great to have another facility that can process that kind of stuff in the state. Yeah, certainly, uh, the, you know, he's saying that the CARES Act money actually went to help to fund some of these initiatives for the school. And so uh, having another facility like that and an operation center that can assist in those areas, especially for those rural communities, would definitely be something that would be great for the community. Uh, we know that there are still many questions that are coming in. A lot of you questioning about the mayor's order that was uh, announced yesterday with, the, you know, the further restrictions. Many were expecting a complete lockdown. The mayor actually saying 
that they've decided, decided to go with the scalpel instead of the hammer and uh, sort of continue to chip away back down into those restrictions rather than an all-out lockdown. We continue to uh, try to get the mayor on into this program. He, of course, is a hard man to get uh, in touch with, so we will try to uh, get, in fact, I am just getting a text from the mayor. They can't join us today, obviously, because he's not here. <laughs> uh, so we're gonna try to get him on uh, later this week. We will continue to keep you posted if he is available, but we have a great lineup as well next week. That's right. We're going to be hearing from Mike McCartney, who uh, runs the Office of Development for the state, DBED, uh, talking about what are some of the initiatives that they are going to be pouring money into and what the state budgets are going to be looking like, uh, you know, facing some tremendous challenges there. But what what will be the economic engines driving the state and how do we get through this? And then uh, on Wednesday next week, we're going to be hearing from Peter Ingram for Hawaiian Airlines. Very excited to talk to him. There, there had been hopes that the travel restrictions for Trans-Pacific travel would be lifted by September 1st. The governor indicating yesterday that the earliest that is going to be happening is October 1st. So what does that mean for our homegrown airline? We'll be talking about that with Peter Ingram. That's right. And again, looking forward to uh, catching up with the governor uh, once again. He will be back the following week. So we continue to sort of fill our lineup, so to speak, with uh, some of the guests that you have said that you want to hear from. And we'll continue to keep you posted on any updates uh, that we, we have on uh, any other guests uh, that we are able to confirm. And of course, we ask that uh, you continue to comment and let us know who you wanna hear from, because of course we wanna help to shed a spotlight uh, on the issues and newsmakers that are important to you, the viewers and our community. So uh, again, we thank the Office of Elections for sponsoring this uh, broadcast. Yeah, that was my next sentence is please make sure to register to vote. Remember the deadline is October 5th. And while you're online, go fill out the census because Hawaii does need to be counted. Make sure you raise your hand for those federal funds. Until next week, Monday, uh, we wish all of you a great rest of the week. Stay safe and we'll see you right back here on Spotlight Hawaii. Aloha.